1: good morning everybody week three of nfl action is upon us welcome to the nfl food for thought podcast i'm justin carlucci here alongside of andre drizzy what's going on man filling in for the chief will priester this week it's good to have you next to me how are you man how's your week going on i'm doing pretty good
2: hanging in there trying to
1: brush off this
2: these these NFL slates that I've been having a rough time with the past two weeks. But ready to get back in the lab this weekend. Hopefully, you know, get a jump start on it early and hopefully take something down because you know, I I put it out there into the universe and when I put it out there, I, I work I work hard to get it, make it happen.
1: The grind never stops, man. The grind never stops. Always trying to get better. You're one of the most competitive people I know. And uh, I like that about you a lot. And I know you're you're very transparent with your process. And, um, hey, hard work pays off. So I think uh, there's good fortune ahead of us. You had a hell of an MLB season. And, um, man, talk to me about week two. We're going to get right into it. Elephants in the room. There's a lot of takeaways from this past week. Some pretenders, maybe some contenders in terms of some of these teams. You know, if you play that, he said, she said, like, this team beat this team one week, so they should beat another team. That that philosophy just doesn't work in the National Football League because best example ever, we saw, I don't know, Jameis Winston smack Green Bay, right? And then they went out and got kind of trunched by the Chiefs Panthers in week two. So, wow. If I said, what's the biggest elephant in the room to you? Do you have a, maybe a big, what's your biggest or like most favorite takeaway after you saw week two games?
2: After saw so week two games, my biggest takeaway is probably honestly, always play Derrick Henry on every slate. Like, no matter what it is, play that man. That, that he he's a beast. He's he he's an animal. He he's the way he is. He is the reigning rushing championship of two thousand yards. I think with two consecutive seasons for a reason. So to me, that's my biggest takeaway. Like. I, was on, I wasn't on. I was really on him most of the week last week until, like, I was only pretty sure, like, 10 minutes before lock, when I was talking to my friends after watching some quick film on, on Tennessee and uh, Seattle, and I was just like, there's no reason why he can't just run over Seattle and do what he normally does to everyone else. And sure enough, that's what he did. It went up and had a huge performance. Um, so, yeah, that was my biggest takeaway is to make sure, you know, try to – Get Derrick Henry and most of your laps every single week and take a chance on this guy. But also um just refine one of me, make sure I refine my research process and dig in more. Um hit those corners I haven't hit and that I that I didn't look at before and watch more film on these players and see what you can come up with because. You never know what you might find in, in that process in that time. And it, it really truly does help. Because um, if I would have had more of them, I think I would have had more of a successful week and had a good ROI instead of a negative one.
1: Yeah. And we'll get to uh, story time and uh, GPP food of the day at the end of the show. But uh, last week on this podcast, I said to Will, I said, the most Titans thing ever would be to go into Seattle and win that ball game, And sure as shit, it happened. It uh, wasn't pretty, it wasn't ideal. Uh, Henry had the huge second half. Taylor LeMond actually got hurt before the game and didn't play starting Pro Bowl left tackle. I don't know if that was a blessing in disguise or not, because he was playing eight months removed off an ACL, got absolutely embarrassed by Chandler Jones in week one, gave up, Five sacks himself and two forced fumbles, which totally flipped that first game on his head. And I was wondering, OK, there's a ton of question marks about this Titans team. I, I don't know. And the thought started rolling in everybody's head. Well, Julio barely practiced in August. Tannehill had COVID. They had like a week to play together. They looked like they didn't miss a beat uh, against Seattle. A.J. Brown had a couple uncharacteristic drops, so I guess it doesn't hurt to have a Hall of Famer on the other side of him. But I was just so impressed with how in sync Tannehill and Julia was and, and Tannehill in general, 350 yards, no touchdowns to show for it. But in that environment, it was so loud there to have total control of that offense with a new offensive coordinator. Everybody was like, Oh no, Arthur Smith left, and what's he doing with Atlanta? You tell me, right? Um, so not really worried about that. But the poise of that Titans team, the defense, I don't know, a lot of blown coverages. We expected points from that Seattle side, but everybody was saying DK, Mac, Metcalf bounce back, but it was tyler lockett again if chris chris carson was chalk he got bailed out by two touchdowns only had 37 yards on the ground uh both chalky running backs got bailed out though by the way Najee harris with that one reception for a touchdown i know and it's the nfl and these things happen but they were bottled up besides that so the chalk was okay but i'm with you i think the titans uh uh, maybe a season saver there in Seattle and don't look now they have the Colts without Carson Wentz they have the Jaguars after that and Derek Henry loves the Jaguars Trey so uh, but that's going to be a headache moving forward is it going to be Julio is it going to be AJ is it going to be Henry we know at the price points they're going to be at is you know a lot of touchdown equity is very important there so uh, I'm with you on that uh, to me uh, a big thing is Tampa Bay is really good, and Atlanta is confirmed really bad. We just still don't know where the volume's going to go on Tampa Bay from week to week. Everybody loved to write off Mike Evans after week one. Scored, had a pretty good game. Antonio Brown, his face was on a milk carton, Dre. Completely missing. Tampa Bay scored 48 points. But outside of Gronk, none of those receivers were in optimal lineups because the ball was spread around. Typical Tom Brady fashion. Uh, What are your thoughts about ageless Tom in, in Atlanta
2: yeah ageless Tom man like I was double the feeling him too but I didn't have enough like that was my only um thing too I, I hate about that I should have had more of that um of that game uh, of this that environment with him in there because he was great um this he he's as he's getting older he's just using his brain a lot more and, and this come from just me playing football back in the day and coming from like my dad who coached it and everything it's I, I see the game differently, and I know how he just – he he's just using his brain to just outwork everybody else. And that team is only going to get better. Like, we, like you said, week tweet. you don't know who the targets is going to be. So to me, like if they're in a good matchup like they were yesterday, you got to just play everybody, play different targets, and hope you're on the right guy. Because <laughs> obviously we saw what – we saw Mike Evans, I think, have two touchdowns and Gronk have two, if I'm correct, and Godwin have one. So it was – it was, he was just throwing the ball to everybody. I, I just wanted – yeah, we wanted Antonio Brown to get in there one time, but I think Antonio got a lot of love week one, so they knew he had to cool off at some point, maybe for week two, and just let everyone else eat a little bit too to keep everyone happy. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see going forward. Um, if old man Brady can keep this up, I, I can't see why they cannot win another Super Bowl. Um, and he wins the MVP, honestly. And that's an early – I know it's early to talk about MVP, but – the way he's looked these first two weeks with nine touchdowns and what like two interceptions, I think it's it's looking it's looking real good for him right now. And that team is only going to get better because their defense is not playing up the standards yet that they were last year. Um, so I like I like them for sure. And Atlanta, I don't even know what to think about the man. They they're just like horrible. Like you would think when like I understand Julio left, but Matt Ryan's up there in age, but you got you got a young tight end in Pitts that, that should be able to pretty much be a mismatch nightmare against everybody. Um, and Ridley, who I think is a really good, talented receiver and definitely a number one, you should just be able to go out there and get it and, and get some of these and, and get some of this these yardage and wins. And they haven't shown it. They haven't lived up to expectations. They were competitive yesterday, which was um, better to see from them uh, than against the Eagles which I think they should have probably put on more of a better performance against them. But I think we're just seeing that they have a, a decent offense that can perform well if they um, can hang in there early, and a defense that needs a lot of work um, It's still. And that's, you know, I'm going to be looking to pick on almost every single week, which, bring, which will bring me to later on against the show who I want to know is if, if this guy's going to be one of the highest home players on the slate because of the matchup that he's in against them this week. But yeah, um, those are my two takeaways from from that type of from that game in that environment.
1: Atlanta should have the pass script every game. Uh, everyone was concerned. Well, the Titans don't have Arthur, Arthur Smith; they're going to struggle. Maybe it's more so Arthur Smith doesn't have Derrick Henry. You can't run that same offense with Mike Davis and Wayne and Wayne Gallman if you leave. Like you just you can't. And you could probably make a strong argument. I mean, I will that Ryan Tannehill is probably twice the quarterback Matt Ryan is right now, but right now, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I totally get, keep playing those pass catchers, and, and Ridley and Pitts were okay. In fact, the uh, the guy who won the 750 uh, k power sweep on DK, $150 entry, 150 k to first on the main slate, uh, had an Atlanta stack with Matt Ryan, who had 22 DK points, um, Ridley, who had 19, and Kyle Pitts, who had 12 thing is he hit all the one-offs he had Derrick Henry who dropped 50 at seven percent uh, Rondell Moore is a one-off and he had 27 and he had Cooper Cup who had 39 it worked salary wise you just have to hit all of those one-offs I mean if Derrick Henry goes for a pedestrian 25 in that game I mean you, you obviously don't win so um, it can be done stacking the Falcons even when they don't go crazy if you hit your one-offs and it's not the approach I, I would take or want to take but it worked out for him and um, I think that's another one of my big takeaways is the consistent uh, love for Cooper cup that Matt Stafford has and rightfully so, but we have two weeks of data now. And in terms of target market share, Cooper cup at 38% in week one against Chicago and 37.9% of the target market share in week two. And it's good to see him healthy. Nothing against Jared Goff, who's currently keeping it close with green Bay as we're recording, but um, it's good to see Matt Stafford push the ball down the field and, Cooper Cup is healthy, so that that that's big for me. The Air Yard market share um, of some of these guys. Now that we have two weeks in, you know Cooper Cup super consistent, commanding targets through two weeks. Deontay Johnson the fifth highest share in the league, and he was injured on the last play of that Pittsburgh game. And we'll talk about injuries reports today, were that he seems to be okay, although he's questionable, which is big. So I'm um, just seeing these guys get consistent work. Uh, the big one for me in terms of not seeing consistent work is. I'm assuming you watch Sunday night football between Baltimore and Kansas City. Tyreek Hill, 42% target market share week one. Baltimore doubled him most of the game. 13% of the target market share. Mahomes was hitting everybody else on the field. Couldn't get the ball to Tyreek. Do you think teams are going to take this blueprint? And like, how would you build with Kansas City moving forward? I, I know it's one game, but it, it was certainly interesting. And I still kind of can't believe Baltimore won that game looking back at it, but Tyreek quiet night over there what are your thoughts I thought it was a good game
2: plan honestly um that's the way I think every every team should attack Tyreek he's he's he has track speed on the NFL field that's the best way to describe it this man is just the fastest guy in the league you have to double team pay him the attention just hope someone else beats you they have a lot of other guys that like obviously you got Harmon there you got um Pringle, and then you also got a uh, uh, Travis Kelsey there, um, who 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 received a lot of the targets, which is which is good for him. But going forward, if teams were to run this type of um, defense against them, there's no reason why they can be successful. But I don't think every team can or has the, um, every, the necessary pieces or, as far as on defense to keep up with that speed, which I think is um, eventually going to get to them and hurt them. But I I think that honestly, like. Uh, going forward, when it comes to fantasy matchups, I think we should definitely keep that in mind, but still play Tyreek because all it takes is one catch, one one big play from Tyreek, and he can break a slate. He can break he can break defenses backs, um, and that's that's to me that's. The thing I take away from it mostly is, hey, I, I will look into it because Baltimore's also a, a good defense. They have a good defensive mind the coach. They lost two of their, um, they lost two uh, key players on, on defense. Uh, one of them obviously being a corner. But um, I just think that you can you can take you can take some things away from it with the blueprint, but still continue to play these guys. And that's a different animal when as far as the matchup and with Baltimore. But any other team, like like if they were to play Jacksonville, I'm not going to worry about Tyreek Hill not being able to get open against Jacksonville because he's gonna find a way. Um or if not, Andy Reid's gonna put him in situations, move him around on the field a lot where you can't double team him. Um so I think we might see a lot more of him get coming out of the slot more too, which will help out a lot um, of trying to take away from that double team and moving around on the field. I think you're muted.
1: Yep. Uh, What else you got from week two? I know we talked about a couple of guys pre-show and you you mentioned the Vikings. Yeah.
2: Um, Uh, One thing I got with the Vikings, you know, Vikings. I I told my friends this, and this is one thing I've I've always said about Kirk cousins. You cannot count him out on weeks that he does not, that you don't expect him to perform well. He will surprise you. And that's exactly what he did in week two. Um, He performed really well against Arizona, which I wasn't expecting. So I was wondering if that defense was actually really a good defense with the way they got to um, the Titans week one and Chandler Jones having five sacks. But um, as you see, um, uh, the Cardinals lost a lot of players. um, Actually got a lot of players that were hurt on defense for what I'm looking at here from the injury report, um, which I think contributes to it a little bit too. Um, But I I still think that – you got to take chances on, on Kirk Cousins. See, he has, he has three good receivers. Now Osborne uh, Jefferson and Thielen. to me. And, and then a running game um, when you can either put on Madison or cook to me. That's a good offense. I think they'll, there'll be something that green Bay has to uh, contend with this year um, for the division. Um, but I, I overall think that they're a good passing attack and someone you should definitely look at every single time, every single weekend in the matches that they take um, and, and just move on from there. But uh also, one thing I took away from a DFS perspective is play the guys that you that you want to play. Um, don't let no one talk you off of those plays because um, that's very, very important. And um, one thing I also took away was making sure my player pool, as far as a quarterback play, is, is narrowed down and taking more stands. Because that's what I think NFL is about. Uh, the lot of volatility you have, you can't play everybody. Uh, this is not like basketball or, or baseball Um, the sport is different where one play can change everything. Um, Especially if you're a 1% owner or or a high own play, because obviously we know how, how it goes. And anyone could be anyone on any given Sunday. So take those chances. If you like a quarterback that no one thinks is popular, play that guy if you like him a lot and you find a reason to play him. Um, But just try to make sure, you know, your, 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 your construction is different and, and you have the right plays in place um, to go with that, and the reasons to play
0: those guys.
1: Here's a, a burning topic, here. You're a Saints fan, so I know that's probably not what you want to talk about. But for, for DFS purposes, like, should someone be worried about Kamara, who actually played more snaps percentage-wise than he did Week One, or, or what's going on at Winston? How long's his leash? What, what's your take on New Orleans and, and Kamara? Probably most importantly.
2: Honestly, like I, I like Kamara a lot. And I was high on him at the beginning of the year, but then, like, if you go back to even when Winston was playing with Tampa Bay, he didn't target the quarter. I mean, the, the um, running back a lot in the backfield for those passing catches, which which is what Drew Brees did um, when he wasn't throwing it down the field. Um, and I think that Sean Payton wants to get the ball down the field more, more as much as he possibly can. So. To me, that that takes away, that's going to take away from a lot of Kamara's snaps. So, to me, I think you still have to play Kamara every single week because those, those, there's chances that that can happen where he can get 10 targets in the passing game and get about 10 to 15 uh, rushing attempts and he can break one of those loose. But I just think that the target share is just not there, even though it should be, especially with Michael Thomas not being out because they want to push the ball down the field. So, um, that's what I take away from it is, is, play him but also make sure the price is right um i don't know if he's on this he's on this week's league coming up. let me check real quick uh running back i don't i don't yeah he is there he's playing against new England he's at 8200 so they even so the market is adjust pretty quickly to, to his role um and how, and how he's being used. Mainly. Um, and as you see, he had 20 attempts a week one to only eight attempts in week two. But, I would, but that also might be just the way the game has been going, too, because they were down to, to Carolina pretty much all game. So, I, it, it, we might have to wait to maybe one more game to see more, get more data on it. Cause he also was targeted, for, um, he was targeted six times and had four, it had four receptions in that game as well. So it might, it might just have to wait out and see how effective they're going to be. And maybe he's had a good game plan against Carolina. I didn't get a chance to watch the film yet on that, but I probably will take a look at that tomorrow morning. um Just to get an idea of what happened. But I, I think you can't write them off yet. But at the price of this week of 8,200 going against the England. Someone I might be a little, maybe a little bit interested in, but not that much. It depends on how, how everything else breaks out in the slate um, and whatever other plays that, that I find that I like.
1: Here, here. If there's a silver lining, he led the team in targets in week two, which was six. Yeah. He's not getting peppered with him like Breeze was, and he had four in week one, which was second on the team. Yeah. The thing is, like, okay, Sean Payton wants to push the ball downfield. Who's he gonna throw it to? Like, what? Ha- where's Marquez Callaway? Where's the preseason hype train? Like can you get is he relevant right now is my and by the way i'll piggyback off this so i can pass the mic back over to you the old cliche bill belichick takes away the opponent's best player do you buy that crap or not like can you take away kamara out of a game i I don't know (laughs) what are your thoughts about this one he's gonna be contrarian like i think people will probably shy away from kamara i mean he you know, we're used to him coming in at 20, 25% right in tournaments because he's so damn good. But, I mean, we might see 10, 12% this week at that price in the matchup.
2: I, like, there's no way to me you take Kamara out of the game just because he his rushing ability and his passing ability on the backfield, I don't know how you're going to be able to, to do that because he goes to break one off for, for a long run. And from just looking at the Jets game yesterday, um, they can still run the ball a little bit on on the Patriots. Um, I don't think they're fully healthy yet um, and capable and have everyone back to where they can get do well on defense yet. Um, But, but they can and probably will sack the box because these, these receivers are no one to fear. They got what Chris Hogan, Marquise, like you said, Marquise Calloway. uh, There's a Deontay and Humphreys and and Ty Montgomery who doesn't even really play. I'm not fearing any of those receivers and they, and they also have great corners. Like, so, so to me, I would. I expect them to be low home, and it is a reason to. I uh, expect them. I expect the pair of probably painters to bring a lot of blitzes, a lot, of, and play the box a lot, just to try to. Try to stop Kamara as much as possible from getting any positive yardage. So it is a reason for him to not be a good play, but I would still play him a small amount of lineups maybe, just be contrarian and be different, just because I know how I am. Plus, I'm a Saints fan, so got to root for your team because I didn't. I, I was down on them on week one, and then they surprised me and won against Green Bay. So I, I think that anything is possible, but Kamara um, will definitely be a contrarian play on next Sunday's slate, and I think he's worth a look a little bit in tournaments.
1: Okay, so one more game. I think maybe we learned a little bit more about each team. Is maybe maybe the Eagles are a little more of who we thought they were going to be. Cakewalk in Atlanta, week one, great for DFS and fantasy. Week two, the Niners come across the country, hold the Eagles to eleven points. Jalen hurts under two hundred yards. I had eighty-two on the ground and a touchdown, though that's where he gets his value. But he really spread the ball around so much. Quez Watkins, two targets for 117 yards and two catches. That's crazy. Dallas Goddard, two targets. Kenneth Gainwell, three. Zach Ertz, two, who got put on the COVID list today, by the way. Jalen Rieger, five. Miles Sanders, two. Uh, So it's like, here's kind of a low-ish volume pass offense. Kind of reminded me of like the poorest, poorest, poorest man's Baltimore offense in the way it's set up. You have a scrambling quarterback with a uh, uh like now a vanilla run game because who, who does baltimore have you know and you have a bunch of guys on the outside who eh, outside of devante smith um who i want to get to in a second is like you don't know where the ball's going so how do you how do you stack these guys i don't i don't think you can right now however Devonte Smith seven targets only turned it into two catches and 16 yards but he has consistently owned that target um, and air yard market share. So although there's not much on the stat sheet to look at from week two with Devontae Smith, I'm totally fine with going back to him because it seemed like out of anybody, it was his opportunity and maybe his opportunity only in Philly. And on the flip side with Sam Frandre, and then I'll pass it over to you to comment about this game is, uh, okay they got the win that's great you beat the eagles by six i think we're all begging for trey lance season jimmy garoppolo very underwhelming elijah mitchell and everybody spent all their fab budget on in annual leagues this year two and a half yards a carry 42 rushing yards um george kittle blah good god terrible again like just another guy who they, they like to run the ball in san fran unless even old jimmy before he got hurt and all this stuff like threw the ball to uh, Kittle a little bit more. Um, But it seems like until Ayuk is up to speed, and I'm going to check his snap count and stuff um, while you're talking and look into that a little bit more. Uh, Debo is the alpha in this offense, and I think right now um, he's the only one I can comfortably roster in, you know, three-max type stuff. Although if Kittle's ownership goes down to next to nothing, I mean, I'll keep burning money and playing him at low ownership (laughs) if that's possible. So uh, what did you learn from San Fran and the Eagles in in this one? Well. I think we have to take away and give the
2: fact that both defenses actually are pretty good. Um, I honestly thought that San Francisco I, – I, tar- I, I, I actually made place to spend on scores and outside for the people. So I really thought the Eagles were going to pull that one out of wings. I, I didn't really think that the 49ers were going to be that great, that good of a defense this year with a lot of their people um, out and on IR um, since they have a pretty a decent amount of people, and especially their, um, um, their top people um the starters, but they they still performed well. Um and it was like I said, always next men up and they they settled to the plate and, and played well in the Eagles and it was a, a smash drop of a game. Um I think you just when it comes to the Eagles side of it, you have to just target Devontae Smith. You can't target nobody else on that team. Maybe Dallas Goddard um that's the only other person i would look to because i'm pretty sure he has a big target share too as well um but this just hurts um pair with, with smith or, or goddard just the way i would go with that team um everyone else is viable maybe in, in big large field like millie maker gpps um if you want to go that route whether that, just those two guys is other main guys had to take away but um um and then with when it comes to san francisco oh miles sanders as well i'm sorry I forgot about him. He's someone you definitely have to play. He's – like, I know he didn't play uh, play that well last week, but he – this, this amount of work he's going to get, you have to consider him every single week that he's on the on the field because he's going to get – he's going to probably get those short passes, dump pops in the backfield. He's going to get the, the rushing attempts too as well. So he's like in a mini way, like a mini Alvin Kamara, which a lot of these running backs are, are mostly trying to go um, these days, I, f- uh, I feel. So he's someone I definitely would take a look at for sure, and he can – um, obviously, have any type of GBP winning upside in almost any any game that he's that he's featured in. Um, and then when it comes to the 49ers, Jimmy G is not the same Jimmy G as we used to know and and before. So, but that that offense is just a mess. Shanahan, I don't know what he is doing. To me, that that kind of it, it bottles my mind. Um, I didn't have no shares of that running back um, committee last week, and I'm proud of it because. It's it's just a mess. He always wants to feed a hot hand. It's no true one back situation to me. The hot hand is whoever is whoever can run through the whoever do, run run well that play through a line that's blocking well is the hot hand, I guess, and, and breaking tackles. But every running back is going to pretty much break tackles and fight for yardage. That's what the nature of a running back is. Someone who's played that position. Um, so I would, I would pretty much not touch the running backs at all. And they actually just brought in two guys this week because I think all three of the running backs got hurt that game. he got hurt. Um, he's actually out, I think, um, with the high-eagle sprain. And then we got Elijah Mitchell with the shoulder from what I'm looking at here. And then Trey Sherman, um, he got a concussion. So all three of the running backs still end up getting hurt in one single game, and they're bringing in two guys that, from what I saw earlier. Um, I can't remember who they were bringing in. Let me see if I can pull that up really quick. Uh, I believe one of them was because um, they're, they're going to be fantasy viable, I think, for week two if they're even on the slate. Um, if they're if they're even on the slate um, for week two, or if they, they don't have a buy,
1: hmm.
2: I got. I'll I'll get back to that and find that out. But I know they did bring in two running backs that that I think will. End up being probably really cheap guys, especially if they're on the slate. That maybe you can look at if they're gonna, if they're if they're gonna get some playing time and get a lot of work, but that's yet to be seen when it comes to Kyle Shanahan and him um, favoring one guy over the other. Um, so um, I, I would still target um, Brandon Ayuk for sure because um, he's going to get, get, get caught up to speed eventually. Um, Debo Samuel, like you said, is the main guy in that offense right now. Take advantage of that while you can. I would use that. Um, and, and, and play Kittle every single week because we know Kittle's upside. We know what he can be and what he is. It's just more so is Jimmy G going to be able to give him the ball or not. That's how I look at it as 49ers. I mean, and also uh, the Eagles do have a good defense. That That's one thing I did learn too as well. That I don't think no one probably um, is thinking right now, but their front seven is legit. Their front seven is legit and their secondary can play well in some spots. Um, and I think that's the main reason why they were able to not let Kittle succeed um, this week as as much as we thought. Because Pitsney even didn't have a good week one against them, and he had a better week in week two against uh, the Buccaneers, who played a little bit softer up front, um, and 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 was pretty much trying to just um, protect the middle of the field and not allow any deep plays or deep balls. So um, I I definitely took away that from it for sure that. The Eagles are going to have a decent defense for sure. Um, They just need to get their offense together and get on the same page and more rapport and more reps. I think between Hurts and um, Smith will be great for them um, and great for us fantasy-wise too as well. And San Francisco, like you said, we're just waiting for to see when Trey Lance will come in and play and take over that job because as soon as he comes in, I think then you'll have a real – reason for 49ers to take off and be really successful because we have someone who can run around the ball run and be mobile but also throw that ball and get it to the receivers on the deep routes and and not be a little bit more conservative as i would say with which with jimmy g i feel is a lot of
1: final game we'll talk about and i feel like we could have five hours and talk about all these games because there's so many storylines but um, and then we'll get into some injuries, but the chalkiest game of the day, in, as a whole, Dallas and uh, the Chargers, twenty to seventeen, broke a lot of hearts there. My heart too, really. Bad. <laughs> I had a lot of exposure to that game, which is why my Brady Lions didn't catch. But here, here's what we learned is that Tony Pollard had thirteen carries and was productive when he had them. However, he only played thirty four percent of the snaps to Zeke seventy one. That's 10% more than week one. What if we keep climbing? What if Zeke isn't, you know, maybe McCarthy. McCarthy's never been one to really go crazy about the run game when he was in Green Bay. Of course, you have Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I get it. But, you know, eventually good play is going to outweigh someone who's not playing well, and maybe Pollard. Maybe this gets to even more of an even timeshare as the season goes on. Something to keep an eye on because 10% more snaps – In a fairly even game script, that wasn't lopsided when Pollard, who used to be more of a a pass catcher, complete change of pace guy, is something to keep an eye on. But an encouraging thing from a DFS standpoint, although the Chargers only put up 17 points, you know, they still threw the ball 41 times with Herbert. So in a neutral game script, they're just not built to run. Austin Eckler is great at what he does, but they don't have a true change of pace Latavius Murray-esque bruiser to carry between the tackles. He had nine rushing attempts and a fairly even game script. But this is great because we know if they're going to pass much more than they run, we know where this volume is going. Keenan Allen, eight targets, 108 yards on only four catches. Mike Williams, wow, finally using the guy the way he should be used. Ten targets, 91 yards on seven uh, catches and a touchdown and oh my God, Austin Eckler, had no targets week one. Well, he had nine and a fairly even game script in week two. So that's great. I think it's much easier for us to decipher, Hey, these are the three guys to target from this team in probably any situation because we know the volumes going there. We didn't get the 30 points we wanted out of the chargers. Now Herbert still threw for over three thirty, just didn't get the touchdown equity. So I think the chargers are fine. And it was actually encouraging from a DFS standpoint to, okay, these, this is where the balls definitely go in this season to those three guys. Um, You know, this was a bit of a bummer on the Dallas side for the most part. So ah, oh, man, you know, Cooper and and CD were projected to the highest-owned receivers, and I think they came in at the two highest-ownerships in most formats, or they were close. So, uh, yeah, give me a little breakdown on this game while I pull up the injury report, and we'll dive into that next.
2: Yeah, um, I just think that when it comes to this game, it was, it was a complete letdown, first of all. Like, I, I had – I was at the field on this quarterback, so they were going to perform more better than what they did, and they didn't, but – I think that, um, like you said, that, that that it was pretty much a good takeaway to see that um, Justin was getting a lot of the um, a lot of the, the passing work. Still, forty one attempts is a lot. I think the ceiling is probably a little bit higher for that for him as far as attempt wise. But they're going to still continue to pass it. They have no running game, like you mentioned before. Austin Eckler, I think, that showed a good sign because he was he didn't get that much working a passing game on, on, and the first game, but he did a second game. So I think it's somebody going to be um, going with more forward with them too. So Austin Eckler, I think it's going to be fantasy value. I'm interested in seeing, like you said, with Mike Williams, is he going to continue to get this much volume, this much targets, this much work? Because that was great to see. Um, it, it took away though a little bit from Keen Allen, from us normally seeing him having like 15, 16 targets and a lot of catches, a lot of yards, but um, if they if they have more of a balanced attack, I think it'll be great for them. Um, so I, I'd like this offense going forward, targeting them in fantasy for fantasy value, um, especially Mike Williams. I think still people are still gonna be low on Mike Williams. Um, just because we don't know how true that is. We we haven't seen that consistency enough from from him and to see if that's gonna happen. So I think if it if it happens more so, um then we'll get a little bit higher ownership on him. But I like targeting him for sure. Um and the Cowboys side. I think we're going to definitely try to see – it's definitely a situation with the Pollard situation, something to pay attention to. Um, I don't know what McCarthy's going to do. I was surprised and shocked to see that Pollard was in a lot more of the plays than he was from week one, especially um, especially when you have Zeke, and I thought um, he was going to be running the ball a lot more, which they both were effective running the ball, don't get me wrong, but – I just felt like Zeke deserved more of the workload um, in that situation, especially coming off Week One, where you know Tampa Bay just has a good front seven, um, as far as uh, from a rushing standpoint, rushing defense standpoint, and can get after the quarterback. So. Um, I just felt that that was just a little surprising to me, but we can see possibly in the future more of the times here. It is a long season, too. We to got to think about it, too, that it is 17 games instead of the normal 16 now. So an extra game is going to put more of a toll on your body, and then maybe they want to preserve Zeke for, for, the, regular, for the whole season and make sure he doesn't get hurt. Um, but Pollard also has to earn, a, um, earn more looks in the, in the backfield as well. Targets, I think, is worth the it two. It's also another option, and if we didn't think about that too. I think that was the reason too, why. Which honestly, if we would have thought about that thing ahead of time, he would have been a lot more fantasy. He would definitely been fantasy value uh, viable because we were we ever we were targeting the uh, third the the, the um uh, third third receiver on the team on a depth chart um, for the um for the Cowboys. I've got their names because um, Wilson. Yes, Wilson. Yeah, we were targeting them a lot, but. That since since Gallup was out, Pollard is a pass catching back. He that that was the right move to make it, uh, or a good contrarian GPP move to make is to play Pollard because Pollard would get some work out of the backfield, which he did, and that could have been a part of game stripping and and the reason why, too. So that's something important to play to pay attention with and see going forward. Is he still going to get more work when Gallup comes back, or is this going to just be? just a, a, a thing where they lose a the receiver and they want Pollard to step up and put a little bit more of a, a bigger role on the team. So I think that's something we have to look at, but I, but I like it. Um, I think it makes them more dynamic going forward, um, and it should be something that we should um, be excited about going forward, especially using them in fantasy. It, I know the game wasn't the pace we wanted it to be, but um, it showed also that the Cowboys have a little fight them defensively, even though I still think they're horrible um, and not that much better than they were last year. Um, but I think that we can still target all these guys in, fan, in fantasy. Um, we know that the, where the concentration is going to go with Cooper Gallup, um, um, with, with Cooper Gallup when he's healthy, and C.D. Lamb, who went off and had a phenomenal day um, as well. So, um, And obviously the running back with Zeke and, and Pollard, now you have to consider, I think, a little bit.
1: Let's go through some of these injuries um, and we'll try to go rather quickly because we can tie some of this into the recipe for success and looking ahead at week three. But, man, bad week for quarterbacks in terms of injuries. Um, Andy Dalton, we don't know. We, I don't know. We're waiting for an MRIs, right? We don't uh, see how bad the bone bruise is. There's no word if Dalton's going to start or if it's going to be Justin Fields against Cleveland. Give me a real quick synopsis. Obviously, in my opinion, I'm – Thinking you're gonna agree with me. Justin Fields would be a huge upgrade to this Bears offense in terms of fantasy output.
2: I'm making a bold call now. Justin Fields is playing week three.
1: A bone bruise,
2: if you're able to play. I mean, he came back out and tried to play, but I think he but I think he wasn't really wasn't himself. Keep him out a week, rest him, but just hope Justin Fields will take a job. But but I think Justin Fields can perform well in this matchup. And he's gonna be extremely popular, I think. Uh what is his price on? Let me look at this price.
1: Fifty two hundred on DK.
2: Fifty two hundred on DK against. Uh, and then we have what is it on Fanduel? Oh, goodness gracious. play
1: in just a second. But keep going. I got you. Uh, Sixty
2: five hundred on Fanduel.
1: Yeah,
2: he just gets a tough matchup against the Cleveland defense, which which it's a pretty good defense. But I think he's still worth a fantasy shot in deep tournaments and big, big, big field tournaments because you never know what can happen. Um, but I, I like it. Um... I, th- I don't think Andy Dole's going to play. I think that he's just going to rest as a bone bruise, and that's something kind of serious. Um, unless he unless he takes a shot and feels amazing um, going into the, later on in the week, but that's not something I, I see someone getting over uh, rather quickly
1: uh i agree i think maybe we'll see fields and i think if he starts i think he might keep the job as much as Nagy was bullish on dalton you know where he's the starter blah 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 i know i get it plus you know justin fields any quarterback with rushing upside at 5200 is very intriguing to me you know that's all he needs to crush is a rushing touchdown 50 yards and he was pedestrian through the air that's fine um similar price range to a Unfortunately, going down, you know, uh, bruised ribs or so they say, we'll get word on Tua. Jacoby Brissett came in. I'm going to duck when I say this for the Tua truthers, but right now, I don't think there's much of a gap between Brissett and Tua in terms of how this offense, like where the targets are going to go, like game managers-ish. Deep ball doesn't really move the needle for me. A little bit of scrambling upside, like in terms of Jalen Waddle, who I really like, and Devontae Parker, I just wish someone else was throwing him the ball. What's your <laughs> quick take on this one? <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Um, I
2: at two plays, he's a little bit more viable, but but this Vegas team has been playing out of their minds lately. I, I'm surprised that they played this well in the first two games. Um, I like, I just like Jacob, Jacob because he's going to target these guys a lot. They pass the ball a lot. Four forty attempts. He's not fantasy relevant in my opinion, like you said. Um, he only had he had forty attempts for one hundred sixty nine yards, one interception, no passing touchdowns, and four rushes for only eight yards. He's not. He's not. A scrambling quarterback by any means. He looks to stay in the pocket and throw the ball down the field. And I don't think he's someone we should definitely look, we should target or look at. Um, and his price is a little price, and he's a little bit high priced too at sixty seven hundred, at least on FanDuel. Um, I don't know what his DK price is. Um, so I excited have that pulled up yet, but it is a little pricey, and so I don't see myself getting to
1: Carson Wentz allegedly sprained not one ankle but both now, of his ankles.
2: I don't understand. How do you sprain both of your ankles? <laughs>
1: I don't know, man, but I'm a Titans fan. I'm hoping they bury the Colts to 0-3 this week, with or without Wentz. We'll see. Even if Wentz is 50%, I think that's a huge leg up for uh, for this Titans defense that has struggled. So, um, obviously, I like that offense much better if Carson Wentz plays than uh, Jacob Eason or whoever the backup is. Or that That's kind of frightening. So, um, Michael Pittman came to life everybody wrote him off after week one so i think he's an interesting target um, i think you you're, you're with me here we want carson wants to play for fantasy purposes for the colts right
2: oh yeah definitely um i, I definitely i want this to be competitive i do um and and once he does have the upside he'll be able to target those players i think if you have the other um, quarterback playing he this is going to be ugly real quick and just play a Tennessee defense all week They They will probably be the most popular defense once we get word that he's out. And they are priced at 2,400 on DK
1: 2,400. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say something that only, if you watched every snap of both Titans games, that the pass rush actually wasn't bad. They had a couple of terrible, like middle school blown coverages. Um, and of course they got terrible fuel position in the Atlanta and the Arizona game in week one that, Bud Dupree looks good. Jeffrey Simmons looks good. Harold Landry. I mean, you play outside of, out of uh, outside of my homes, Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson are not the two quarterbacks you want to open up your season with maybe outside of Lamar in terms of acrobats outside of the pocket. So I think with more traditional step back and throw quarterbacks, listen, I don't think I ever played the Titans D and DFS and I'm a fan, but their streaming option this week um, against, you know, if, if Wentz is not a go, and maybe even if Wentz is just kind of limited. I think, you know, everybody looks for cheap defenses with upside. I think I think you make a good point there. Um, Derek Carr in his 104 quarterback rating um, is, is really balling out, so he got hurt, underwent an MRI on Monday, status is uncertain against Miami. I, I guess it's, no one's super worried about it. My gut says he probably plays, but you know, we'll see about that. One thing, I, another injury I did see on the timeline is, Apparently Daryl Henderson's banged up, rib injury. We can kind of move into uh, next week. There was a couple other injuries, you know, Deontay Johnson. We don't know his status. Why waste time on it? Hope he's okay. Big part of that Pittsburgh offense. If he doesn't play, you know, obviously Claypool, you know, bump in value, obvious stuff there. So Henderson, though, if he doesn't play, right? Sony Michelle traded for has barely played. The kicker is, is going they're going up against Tampa Bay in that ferocious defensive line there so we can kind of open up our recipes for success segment here looking ahead with if Henderson's out what do you do with sony michelle at 4900 And it's a big if but that popped up a couple hours ago and uh you know rib injuries for a running back are not uh, usually comfortable so let's, let's start there i mean 4900 on dk wh- what do you think his ownership would even come in at see i don't know like i want to say about
2: 10 15 percent i would like to say his ownership coming in that. He ran the ball pretty well, too, on 10 attempts for 46 yards when he came in against India on those last couple drives. Um, the Tampa Bay, their front is just... Uh, Mike Davis played... How many yards? Let me look at Mike Davis' stat against him. I don't think he had... I, I don't want like to compare the stats from all the quarterbacks, because also, he gets a lot of uh, work in the receiving game, too. So, Mike Davis got there just because of the receiving work he got. So, the, the front seven is what kind of bothers me a little bit, but I think it's definitely is something you can attack. Um I, I would target Sonny Michelle and have him in a couple of lineups. I probably would have to dig into a little bit more, but I think getting to like probably like five is, percent is where I would get to him. I, I think the field would be more at like 10-15 because his price is so low. Um and at that price, if he and if he even if he gives you like 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 fifty, like fifty yards and a touchdown and maybe two catches, he he's he gets the value and he the, and that will obviously gives you room to have some tournament winning upside where you can get all other players in your lineup to take advantage of that salary. So yeah, he, he's someone I could possibly see, but not go. I wouldn't be ecstatic about.
1: Okay, that's fair. I'm sure if if he gets ruled out eventually, that'll be a hot topic later this week across the industry how going to tout, you know, it's just going to be, Oh, what are you doing? Sony Michelle, you know, we're just never going to hear the end of it. So we'll get that elephant under the room out of the way early. So recipe for success here, give me, you know, a team or two that sticks out that you're thinking about, uh, you know, heavily targeting this weekend.
2: Oh boy, heavily targeting. Well, I, I'm not going to go with the obvious ones because we know Arizona, I think and Baltimore, are like the obvious teams to target. Um, I still am going to attack uh, with Seattle and Russell Wilson because I feel like I feel like this is a recipe that they do every year with Seattle. Is let Russ cook the first half of the season, and then just grind it out with the running game and prep for that with that defense. So I'm gonna ride the wave with Seattle target against Minnesota. Um, I think that's been, that could be another shootout and another big game. Um, both sides of the game would be great to target in my opinion. in is still one of the favorite receivers to go um to go off. Um, and like you said, with the target share he's getting um, right now, it's incredible. Um, but DK Metcalf at some point is going to wake up and have a monster game. And I don't see why it can't be against uh, the Minnesota, uh, Minnesota Vikings for sure. Um, so that's someone I definitely like. And um, one other person who I'm thinking about, and this is a disgusting, I know, guy um, and gross play, but he actually has been performing well for fantasy purposes. Um, and he gets a matchup against Atlanta is Daniel Jones. How popular is Daniel Jones is going to be? Um, because that's what I really want to know, what you think and what's your thoughts on that. Because 29.5 fantasy points against a good Washington a Washington team that I think is pretty good, um, probably struggling a little bit on defense right now, and then 22 against Denver. Um, and he's only threw one touchdown. But that's the thing, only one touchdown. That rushing upside, it helps him a lot too, so – I I like Daniel Jones a lot this weekend I can't seem to get away from it. The price at fifty-eight is really good and and I I love pairing him with, with a guy like um Sterling Shepard, who I think they have a great rapport and that's my number one. Um, team um, players to target from that team for sure, and then we got Saquon, who's good, who's just going to keep getting more better, more healthier every single week, and better at running the ball. I, I don't see why you can't attack this this defense and use a guy like Daniel Jones, especially when we know Atlanta's been horrible.
1: I wish this was any other matchup, so I wouldn't have to worry about it. But because it's Atlanta, that that you know, we we already agreed that Atlanta is probably atrocious. Maybe they'll win a game this season. I don't know. So I actually did a little bit of homework uh, for the showdown slate Daniel Jones was on, and I got burned. But last season, he had two games of over 20 DraftKings points. That's it. That's it. They were both against the Eagles, by the way. His rushing upside, or whatever you want to call it, really bailed him out. The one game against Philly, he had, uh man, I think he had a rushing touchdown. Well, let me see. Rushing. That's got- high football against them. Yeah, he had that crazy run. Was that when he fell on his face?
2: Yeah, right? he fell on his face, flat on his face.
1: Yeah, so so the one game he had a rushing touchdown against the Eagles, and I'm pretty sure – in the other game against Phil, he had 92 rushing yards. So, like, in the past, he's really needed that rushing upside to get there, and it just it only happened twice in, in a full season last season. I get it. Different season, players get better. Well, we're through two games of 2021. He has 95 rushing yards and a touchdown against – Washington and uh, he has a touchdown uh, right on the ground against Denver is he gonna get a 70 yard chunker again like the thing is Atlanta's so bad he that might be the one team he doesn't need the rushing upside against he could throw wow. three touchdowns he loves Sher- Sterling Shepard apparently it's the only guy he throws the freaking ball to they probably all go to Shepard so I'm with you let's stack Daniel Jones and Shepard and in, in the million see what happens man if you were to stack would Shepard be one of your top choices or would you go back to Gallaudet or something like that
2: I'll probably, I'll probably have, I'll definitely have some shares of Galladay. Um, but I really love Sterling Shepard. Like, I, he to me, PPR wise, he, he's just the guy who always does that. the routes underneath in the short in the middle routes, um, uh, middle of the field. I, I, I will target and they target look to him a lot. So, I, and he's always a mismatch, seems like so because he always gets a linebacker so the inside corner, which to me, they, they can't really guard him a lot. So, I love Shepard in this matchup. Um, I, I think that he's going to have a phenomenal day. I, I'm not going to lie. I probably will be over the field on Daniel Jones as much as discusses yeah. that sound. But I'll, I'll definitely be well over the field on him. I, I can't help it. And to me, the matchup is too good to not take advantage of it, for sure.
1: I'm getting deja vu of last year. I forget what week it was, but it was like the Drew Locke week where he pretty popular and he was around the same price range against Atlanta, and he was like, terrible asset and then in the second half, he just went off he had a huge run I'm just getting visions of Daniel Jones below average quarterbacks with a little bit of legs that just find a way to exceed value against Atlanta so um I mean, and you know what the Giants defense has been like respectable and I thought they'd be pretty good coming in so again I don't know what to think about Atlanta I think they're pretty bad so uh, I'm with you I don't mind some Giants exposure here but I, for me I want to go back and talk about the guy you mentioned at the top of the show is Kirk Cousins um I haven't seen much. I'm not impressed with the Seattle defense. Now they're coming off a gut-wrenching loss at home to Tennessee, and that's either going to work one of two ways. You know, Minnesota coming off same thing, Gut, gut-wrenching loss against Arizona. So I, I kind of like – I don't know if I'm in love with playing Cousins, but I think Jefferson might finally have a game. Like this Seattle secondary, outside of Jamal Adams, uh, but he's not a, really a coverage guy. He's more of an in-the-box thumper. I, they don't scare me. I'm curious to see what these Vikings receivers come in at. It's been all Thielen so far and a little bit of Osborne if you're stacking Millie or your waiver wire claiming this week. But I think maybe it's finally Justin Jefferson week against Seattle. So um, I like the Vikings this week. Uh, Who else you kind of targeting, Trey? One other person
2: that that, that I've definitely looked at as far as the quarterback and the stacks to go with is Teddy B., Teddy be against that horrible just secondary, who, which can't seem to perform that well. Their defense, I know that is pretty is decent up front, but I think that secondary um, can can be beat. And of course, I think when you got Courtland Simon, Noah Fan out there, you can definitely do some damage. Um, and Teddy Bridgewater is a smart quarterback, where I think he can take advantage of that. So that's someone else I'm, I'm looking to definitely try to target and get to in, in my in my lineups um, next week for sure. Um, Any peppered. Uh, and he definitely was peppered on site with a lot of targets. So I I love that. And it was good to see, especially when we know that Jerry Judy's going to be out for um, a little while now. So that's someone I definitely will look to target. And I will also have the um, other receivers on on there, like Kamler. Um, And then there was this one more other receiver on that team. Um, I can't, his name is, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but I will definitely have him for sure um, in my, in my tournament lineups um, next week.
1: Um, Speaking of the Vikings, Dre, Dalvin cook had about the quietest 130 yards in on the ground because he didn't score. I mean, he still had 19 DraftKings Kings points in week one. He was kind of a flop Had 60 yards against the Bengals, three yards a pop um, ran better against Arizona, who people were claiming to be world beaters after mauling the Titans. So um, I- I'm curious, like last week in terms of roster construction, everyone, not everyone, a lot of the public floated around using one of those 6K running backs because they were in great spots, Chris Carson, you know, David Montgomery, et cetera. So I'm wondering if kind of paying all the way up top, um, again, is is going to be the differentiator. I, I don't know. Are people going to look at – what are people going to think of Henry? And obviously, monster performance. The Colts are typically pretty good against the run. Um, but there's still a lot of pretty fair-priced running backs – You know, Chris Carson's still 6,400. You know, people might take stabs at Barkley. Najee Harris was super popular because he didn't come off the field in week one. You know, Jonathan Taylor against the Titans, if you still think Tennessee stinks, they're all below 7K. So I'm curious what the ownership up top is going to be because you have Henry. You have Dalvin Cook, who, you know, is pretty expensive. And uh, I think people are going to go to the receivers in that, you know, looking at Jefferson and Thielen. And then you have Kamara, who struggled, and, and Nick Chubb, uh, you know, with a less than ideal matchup against Chicago. So, I, I don't know. Uh, Dalvin Cook's intriguing to me because I don't know if ownership's going to go there. He hasn't really had that monster game yet.
2: I think it will go there, actually. Yeah. Um... I think we've seen we've seen Taylor have seventy-two yards against in Week One, and then we just see Derrick Henry go off and have a monster game against in Week Two. So, um, and I think rightfully so, um, Minnesota can't run the ball. Uh, pretty effectively, um, as we saw that he, they, he did against Arizona. And they're going to make sure, I think, Cook gets around like 20, 20 uh, rushing attempts each game. So I think he is definitely someone I, I will, I'm going to get to a lot. I think people will get to him a lot. I don't see why he shouldn't be one of the highest-owned um, running backs this week coming up. Nick Chubb, I think, is matchup proof, honestly. He's someone I, I really, truly think that you just have to play every single week um, because he he like Derrick Henry, who I think you have to play every single week too. At this point, can break one off for a big, big um, game, on uh, in a big rushing, um, rushing um, uh, game. Um, so I, I think you have to play those guys, and I really think that the ownership will be will dictate that at least for for Cook Henry. I don't know if we're gonna have re- if we're gonna have it like we did like we used to in the past where we had like people who are just look at stats obviously and see that Henry had a. Had 182 yards on the ground, and then he had three touchdowns and 50 fantasy points. If we have people like that, then yeah, I think then Henry's gonna be popular. But I think that Henry is someone where I I think the field's gonna be lower on. Um, if they are lower on him again, and he's end up being single digit digit own, I think I'm gonna play obviously double the field on it because it's gonna be low ownership to begin with, but um. I don't think he's going to be that popular compared to Cook. I think Cook is going to be, the most, like I said, the most popular one on the slate. But I do have a sneaky running back that I do like that I, that um, impressed me a little bit that I don't think anyone is going to play um, a lot of. But he seems to, to be getting a lot more work um, in that offense With um, that I saw. And the Giants are good up front, but uh, I think it was Patterson. Uh, Patterson is what I look at, 4,600 Um I know it's a boomer bust play, but this man had two touchdowns on Sunday against um, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And granted, he only he had seven rushing attempts, um, and then he had a uh, he, had, he had like five uh, receptions. But if he's going to get seven rushing attempts a game at forty six hundred, all he needs to do is give me a touchdown with that, and, and and get about fifty yards. I'll be I'll be fine.
1: Career gadget guy Cordell. People love playing him in showdown when he was in Chicago. Um, let's see what his snap count was. And just going back to that Atlanta game, uh, man, can he call it a 5,600? How much is Sterling Shepard? I know you were talking about Shepard, but, man, I, I'm assuming you can play this little giant stack and have enough money to do whatever you want with.
2: Yeah, Sterling Shepherd's only 5,900. Wow. So you can make this a whole game stack realistically and and, and go off. 'Cause the only probably most expensive guy in this game is probably really and at seven K.
1: Patterson saw 33% of the snaps in both weeks, but you know, with the trailing game script and they're going to need a spark, maybe he gets more involved. We saw him taking snaps at running back pretty frequently last year for Chicago and they were dinged up. So I think that's uh, really interesting too. Let me tell you a couple of things that the DK algo, algo was sleeping on the wheel at we talked about the chargers before. So Keenan Allen is cheaper than he was last week against Kansas city. And you got to think that game script could be, I mean, they're going to the, talk the chargers are going to throw the ball 6,600 for Keenan Allen. You know, the fact that he's cheaper kind of blows my mind. I would assume he's going to be very popular. Adam feeling is cheaper as well. He was 71 last week, 6,700 this week against Seattle, 17 targets through three games. He has three touchdowns. I don't understand those. I think we're going to see a lot of ownership go there and, and rightfully so. I think we should keep an eye on Allen Robinson, especially if your bold prediction comes through of Justin Fields starting because I'm disappointed with the lack of targets last week, four targets. Come on, Justin Fields, V comes in, I think he'll pepper Allen Robinson. And, man, I feel like you scratch your head like, man, Luch, why are you giving away some of my, uh, my plays coming up Sunday? But how do you not love that price at Allen Robinson at 6,200, man?
2: He's a good price set. And if he is going to be I, rookie, or, or, I feel like rookie quarterbacks look for guys. I would say they, they won, they have good reports with or the best receiver on the team. So that way they can, you know, that's their security blanket. Alan Robinson runs enough real short routes where they can pretty much see how that could be his security blanket. So if Justin Fields starts, I think those targets will be peppered towards him. Um, him and commit, I think will be the top two targets from there. And I, and I like that a lot. Um, and another receiver that I, that I really I – I'm really am interested in this because obviously obviously we were talking about uh, with Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup against Tampa Bay, who that's secondary. I think they lost their starter – I think they lost their start, one of their starting quarterbacks on the third play um, or the third drive of the game uh, with, to a hamstring injury, if I'm correct. Um, but Cooper Cup is only 6800 I don't think he was priced up enough. And he can have another monster week against this against this team. Because um, to me, it's either Pick your Poison him or Robert Woods. Who, who, who do you want to beat you this week? And and then if they can have some formless of a running game, they'll be fine um, um, to go with, too. So I think this mid-tier wide receivers are going to be someone to target heavy um, and, and to look at. Um, Mike Williams 6400 as well. We got Julio Jones at 6500, along with AJ Brown, who I think is a, a, a phenomenal thing to target. We talked about Sterling Shepard really at 5900, who I love is probably gonna be my top receiving play on the slate. Um, Marquise Brown going into Detroit against 5600. Like Hollywood Brown at that price, I mean I get I get it, but he's performed well. The last, the first two games of the season, um, doing a lot of different routes, not just being used as a deep ball threat. So I, I like getting to him a lot um, at that price too. And on top, I feel like you always got you always gotta throw D Hop in there, um, especially against Jacksonville. But we know that already that he can have a monster game. But the that, that those are like the top plays. Um, obviously, we mentioned Tyler Lockett DK Metcalf as well. Um, but those are the plays I'm definitely looking at to as our early look for him, for next
1: week. One more guy who uh, is good to see healthy. Everybody was curious who would fill in for Jerry Judy, not fill in but step up. Cortland Sutton, 12 targets, nine catches against Jacksonville. Is he back? Are we seeing the Cortland Sutton of uh, you know 2019 before he unfortunately got hurt? Uh, what are your thoughts there?
2: I love Cortez Sutton this week too. To me, it's one of my one of my other top targets. I like I like him and Tim Patrick. That's what the guy I was looking at before talking about earlier. Tim Patrick, I think it's a guy that we have to look at. He he had uh, about the same amount of target. He had no, not the same amount. Of he only had four targets, which he had in the first game, but he had a touchdown each of the first two games. So that guy on their fantasy wise, about forty nine hundred of a price that that gets you there. And that helps out a lot. So that's someone I definitely am going to look for. And Cortez Sutton is. To me, one of the top plays, in my opinion, um, at wide receiver. And I don't think his ownership is going to be that high. Uh, I, I don't think so. It should be. But I don't think uh, with all these other receivers in that price range and people might be looking to try to go from to other games, might think that the Jets' secondary is really something to fear. I, I'm not afraid of it. I'm just going to play a lot of them.
1: Um, one thing FanDuel got right is pricing up Kyler to 9K. DK – Highest priced quarterback, 8,300. I, I guess I kind of understand if it's in, you know, there's a little bit different of a setup on both sides, but you know, I watched that. I watched him destroy and make soup, destroy Tennessee week one, make Super Bowl worthy plays, like disgusting things, sandlot style throws on the money. Like if it was Mahomes, we'd still be talking about it. And you know, he'll make some mistakes. He has three picks through two weeks, but, but listen, his rushing upside is back. He's not running a ton but he has touchdowns in both games Threw for a measly 400 yards in week two um, and almost 300 against Tennessee, but he had four touchdowns. So I, I and we're, and we're talking Jacksonville, like there, there's a good chance they hang 40. I don't have the team total in front of me. I, I don't think, I don't think Kyler Murray is expensive enough on DK in this matchup, man. I, I'll be, I know we said, we weren't going to talk about the obvious, but like <laughs> th- that that's the play right? Like maybe we don't overthink it. You can oh. make, we we're talking before the show, Dre, you can make uh Kate, you can make 10 reasons why you should play somebody on a slate. And I can't argue with you, but I, to me, Kyler Murray is at quarterback to me, if you don't have at least
2: one lineup with them in in, in DK or FanDuel, something's wrong with you. Just just play <laughs> the guy. Cause he, even at that price of 9k, he still might be the highest scoring quarterback on the slate, like that's how much upside he brings to that and and that's still crazy to think about with that price point because there's they're still cheap enough receivers where you can when, when you can go where you can get and that have the upside for gp winnings um winning upside in the tournament so to me that's someone I definitely want to have a lot a decent amount of exposure to for sure I'm gonna make my quarter quarterback pool though very small I'm gonna try to admit it this week because there's a lot of good quarterbacks on the slate that I love. So far,
1: Yeah, I mean, really, it, it's loaded. You know, Lamar in Detroit, God, you know, we talked about that and how good Marquise Brown has been since really the second half of last year when he's been healthy. So uh, it, it should be a fun week and, uh, you know, a good chance to kind of, uh, you know, make a dent, make some good stands here. We need to wrap up soon. So is there anything else, you know, looking ahead, you want to get off your chest here?
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, only thing I would say real quick is – Played Darren Waller. That means matchless proof. I think he's gonna bounce back. on a big game against against Miami. Um, but other than that, not not really. Just I'll I'll be. I'm gonna try to be more available this week. If anyone wanna ask me some questions on Twitter, I know I'm, I tend to not post a lot sometimes. Um, but I'm gonna try to be a little bit more active on there just so I can you know get my thoughts out about what I think about this week, um, and also get some feedback of what y'all think about this week and also different things. So I'll be actually. Traveling a little bit as usual. Uh, I'm always everywhere. I'm like Carmen San Diego on the go always. So I'll be up in uh in Vegas for a couple of days uh, just to get away for a bit, and then come back uh, and hit also hit up Arizona. So if you got any food takes in both of those places, let me know. Arizona and Vegas. I need some good food takes that 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 aren't the obvious that are like hidden gems. Uh, I need those ASAP
1: we'll get to GPP food of the day uh, soon. And I'm curious to see what you have up up your sleeve, but uh, we got our story time segment, uh, you know, that was one of chiefs ideas and just to kind of have a little relatable content. And, um, you know, I, I guess I had a pretty lame week outside of the Titans shocking the world. And I was trying to do the Sunday night showdown show while the game <laughs> was in overtime. So uh, it was pretty cool to see the, the chat, keep me posted, but uh, you know, my girlfriend has a six year old. I'm like, you know, the inherited stepdad, which is cool. And we had a pretty good week of parenting, you know, like nothing went completely wrong. But, uh, you know, remember that show kids say the darnest things like I feel like I should be keeping a, a book or something. He came come he's in uh, first grade and he came home and was like, yeah, we learned about that book, you know, and I'm like, I don't know what book you're talking about. He's like, you know. Uh, the one that they wrote, I'm like, all right, is he talking about the Bible or so? <laughs> like I don't know, like I'm not religious, like I, I, I'm, you're talking to the wrong guy, kid, man. Sorry. And it turns out he's talking about the Constitution, or, um, yeah, or whatever. And uh, he talked, started talking about going on about the founding fathers. I'm like, do you know what the founding fathers mean? He's like, yeah, they're everyone else's fathers before we got here. I'm like, no, oh, not exactly, but you know, I was like trying to explain it to him. Then he was like, when do I have football? I'm You know, the attention span wasn't there, but you Know, uh, the whole mother father thing and the uh, trying to explain to him that it just was like we'll have that conversation another day. So th- that was the one thing where I actually was just tongue tied, and I'm like, no, it wasn't, every- they weren't everybody's fathers before-, before we got here, but uh, you know, at least he's trying, so a for effort. Um, you have anything uh, interesting or off the wall happened to you lately, Dre? <laughs> uh,
2: always something I think that's interesting with me, but like, uh, one thing I can say is. I'm learning that my dog is smarter than what I think she is. This, my dog is like no joke. Probably. I have a, I have a Pomsky, Um, so I think she's probably one of the smartest dogs I've ever had in my life. I think dogs are just smart in general, but this little girl here, like every time she wants to go out, you know, she'll, she'll bark and go by the door or something, uh, or when we let her out her, her, her crate, she'll just go run to the door. Um, this time she tries, she gets she she got spiteful with me because I wouldn't give her a treat. And so I'm at the she's at the top of the steps. I'm down below, like you know, hey, come on, let's go. You're not getting a treat, but let's come outside. So we go. And she's just barking at me, like pretty much telling me, like, no, dad, I'm not doing it. I'm not going. I'm like, if this one I have to deal with kids, then I don't know how I'm gonna be because I'm not patient with this. <laughs> so, but I'm learning. And then she was just she just kept kept barking at me and said, Oh no, no, come on, let's go. And so I said, you know what? I said, you're not getting any trees, and I don't care. I'm going downstairs. I'm done with this. So she decides to piss on the floor.
1: <laughs> she <laughs> laid the law down, man.
2: And then run away and laugh. Like, I mean, not, well, obviously she can't laugh, but if she could, I'm assuming she was laughing because she ran away, knew she was in trouble, but was happy as hell that she did it. And she knew she was, and I just had to chase her and clean it all up. I'm like, yo, these dogs spiteful first of all but they are smart they, they are definitely smart um I'm, it's just made me realize that wow like I, I really want to see how, how how much I could uh, push her to her limit as far as knowledge wise and see what she can do next um so like my sister showed me this thing where um online where they have this these commands where the dog will talk back to you um and tell you like hey or, or treat no oh, yes different different commands like they that like push the buttons or whatever yeah when they push the buttons my sister showed me that video of a dog who did that i wasn't like, well, asking for more treats and she was just like no you're not getting anymore. more she's like i'm hungry i want to like so i'm like i'm gonna get that from my dog and see what i can do so
1: i'll stay tuned to see how the training section is gonna go for that but i look forward to that for sure that's funny man are you the, are you a pushover like can you stay mad at your dog or were you I can. I I, 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 we, I I, definitely can for sure. Um, but I, I've been
2: trying not to because she, she doesn't know any better. She's only seven months and oh. th- she's had a, uh, a long attention span, I know, because she just wants to play and go right to it the next minute afterwards.
1: Well, I, I, I feel you on the smart dog thing. And sometimes they are too smart on top of a six year old in our townhouse. We have a border collie and she's awesome. Like best dog I ever had. And for a while, she was really scared of the, when we record, I have a green screen that retracts. It's like portable. It's pretty sweet. You just pull it up and it probably gets up to like, you know, six, six and a half feet. She was so scared of it. I don't know if it was the noise or what. She's a chick. She's like, she's a chicken. She's a chicken. You know, she likes to be heard though, but she finally like, she's almost too like she, I was like, ah, she'll go up, She'll go downstairs when I'm recording. I pulled the green screen up Sunday night. She comes measling back in and we're about to go on and she's like, putting her paws on my lap trying to like look for a treat or something too because usually if she's in there if she comes back i'll give her a treat to be good no she's doing her thing and she finally outgrew it so i'm like man we got an issue now i gotta start locking her out of the room <laughs> when we request all i need to be on grinders live and she's like knocks the whole freaking thing down you know like what do you, what do, you do man you just oh, the show yeah. must go on i guess but <laughs> she didn't say my dog actually just
2: did that to me last week she almost jumped on screen um, because she got let out of her, her, her cage and then just ran down here and just tried to jump all over
1: me. At least so, we got an excuse if um you know, if something happens, be on be on alert. It's probably one of our dogs just messing with us. But uh Dre, before we get out of here, you got any food takes, you know, in in, in honor of Chief being out this week for this week's podcast um like give me give me a food take you got a local spot you know what do you get on game days like what what's going on give us something here
2: well game days i have a recipe that i that i pretty much mean um I, I try to pretty much do it almost every sunday i haven't done it actually yet this sunday but i typically take like some type of oh uh, i make this dip um pretty much it's pretty simple but like i use like queso loose loose like the tour um Doritos uh, queso that, that they have, or uh, not the Doritos, the Tortitos queso that, that they have. But you use whatever type of meat you like, whether it's uh turkey meat, which is why I prefer to use, but you can go with beef. Um, if you want, spread, uh, cook your own on thing at first, season it up real good. Put that queso dip in a pot in a pan with the meat. I have to mix it all up together. Um, and then put some like regular cheese on this, shredded cheese. Just make make it as cheesy as possible. Cheesy as possible you and then you want some sour cream you put it on the side with that and it's everything else um and then just heat up and wait for it to melt um you can put a little bit of a little bit of a tiny 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 little bit of milk if you want just to make it a little more creamy um and it comes out really really good to me that, that's my sunday dip that i have every sunday when i watch football typically um I can pretty much go through a whole thing in like a sitting. A, a it's just amazing. It's just so good. Um, so, yeah, if you want to try to make it, let me know if you need. If you need this is a simple recipe. You can take like 10 minutes. But to me, it's like the best thing in the world and good to have on
1: Sundays. Yeah, we just got, um, a, a thing a buffalo chicken dip from Costco. I don't know if that's a Northeast thing or what, but I, I have a decent recipe for buffalo chicken dip, too. But everybody kind of does their own thing. They fire up the Crock-Pot up here. So if anybody's got a good buffalo chicken dip recipe, perfect for game days, you know, uh, I want to hear it, too. So uh, we got to get on out of here, though. Check Dre out on Twitter, at BXBoogieDre. Uh, Dre, what do you got on tap for this week? You want any RG stuff or anything like that? Yeah, I'll be on um I'll be on a couple episodes at,
2: I believe for FLB um later on in the week. I think maybe tomorrow. Um and then after that I'll just be prepping for football. Then it'll be on next Sunday. So getting ready for that, giving some hot takes, hopefully to um hopefully, you know, to win a lot of money. Um and give some people a good place to win a lot of money and have this bounce back week because I cause Lord knows
1: I need it. So we'll we'll see what happens though. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Every Sunday, roto Granders has a grind before kickoff. Dre's on one of the early shows. I'm on crunch time at 1230 to answer some last-minute questions. So definitely uh, kick it with us on Sundays, whether you're in for the long haul or just rolling out of bed late and trying to fire some lineups in. So uh, for Andre, who's filling in for Will, I'm Justin Carlucci. Good luck in week three, everybody.